Thank you for listening to the Sooner Schooner Show. I'm Eric G. from 97.1 The Sports Animal in Tulsa. Coming up on this week's episode, I've got a bone to pick with Chris Lowe of ESPN. He made an egregious, an egregious, I say, omission for his way too early 2024 All-American team. We'll also tell you why Jackson Arnold won't have any problems filling Dylan Gabriel's shoes. I'll also tell you why Baker Mayfield is the perfect, perfect replacement for one Tom Brady. We'll give you an update on Oklahoma's recruiting class and where Rivals ranks it at this point. We're talking about the 2025 recruiting class. And Patty Gasso made some very interesting comments this week and why her words need to be put on a plaque and plastered at every single athletic facility on OU's campus in Norman. I am Eric G from 97.1 The Sports Animal, as I've already told you, but I just thought I'd reiterate it for the heck of it. And I want to let you know uh, that we would love your support here at the uh, Sooner Schooner Show. So follow along wherever you get your podcasts. Follow along, but please do us a huge favor. Rank us five stars. Give us a five-star rating and write a written review. Take a screenshot of both. Send it to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. And Pete will send you back a Heartland College Sports koozie. Chris Lowe, one of the best writers that ESPN has, does an excellent job of covering college football, made his way too early 2024 All-American team. Now, I'm about to criticize Chris Lowe because what he did was make an absolute egregious omission. But before I do that, I want to get into this and let you know that, one, I don't like criticizing other media members because I believe that we're all out there trying to do the same thing. We're all squirrels in this world just trying to get a nut. And usually there's nothing I find more offensive or laughable in this business than when two egocentric media guys are going after each other. And certainly what I'm about to say about Chris Lowe isn't going to have the same weight as what happened between Stephen A. Smith and Jason Whitlock, or even some of the things that have happened more locally around Oklahoma. And honestly, if you want to see the most vicious of all media feuds, well, there's one that reigns supreme. It's Howard Stern versus Don Imus. Uh, A close second was Howard Stern versus Mancow, and then Howard Stern versus Opie and Anthony. But Stern and Imus versus each other, absolutely vicious. Anyway, I digress. Let's get back to what we talked about or what we were talking about originally, and that is this way-too-early All-American team that Chris Lowe put out. Now, normally, I wouldn't get that upset over an, an, an all a preseason All-American team. I wouldn't because it doesn't mean anything. It means absolutely nothing in the grand scheme of things. The the only All-American team that really matters, in my opinion, is the AP All-American that comes out at the end of the year. And, of course, I voted on that for a couple of years, so that's why I say that. Uh, look, being, look, if you're an All-American from ESPN or CBS or anybody, it, it, it truly is a, uh, a great honor. But this ESPN way too early top 25 is an absolute joke. And if you think that is a little harsh, and I can understand why you think that might be a little harsh, Chris Lowe completely ignored Billy Bowman. Now, he gave Danny Stutzman second team honors. That's great. You know, Danny Stutzman had a shot at winning the Buckus Award this year, and he'll have a shot at it next year. And I know that Danny Stutzman will use that 
preseason second place is to put a little bit of extra chip on his shoulder, or maybe he just doesn't care. And I'm going to go with the latter here that I don't think Danny Stutzman cares. But Billy Bowman should care because people are already overlooking him, and we haven't even gotten to September yet. And I don't know, Chris Lowe, who's supposed to know college football better than he knows the back of his hand, when picking his safeties, picked four guys between first and second team, and none of them have the numbers that Billy Bowman has. This is why it's so egregious and why Billy Bowman and Brent Venables and everybody on that OU staff ought to be furious. And I look, I haven't seen social media because a lot of times I think it's a wasteland. But knowing OU fans, once they found this out, provided they're paying for the ESPN Plus subscription, I'm sure they ripped Chris Lowe to shreds. And he deserves to be ripped to shreds for this. For his first team safeties, he has Caleb Downs. All right, I'll give you Caleb Downs. The kid that just transferred from Alabama ended up at Ohio State. Look, he had a tremendous freshman season for the Tide. Dude recorded 107 tackles. Yeah, that's pretty good. Two interceptions, yeah, pretty pretty damn good too. 107 tackles, I said pretty good, but I said pretty good almost sarc- sarcastically. 107 tackles is incredible. I mean, that's either coming up and stopping the run or being able to make plays on the fly or, hell, who knows, maybe your defensive line and your linebackers just weren't that good. Still, those are some crazy numbers right there. Two picks, yeah, that guy should be first-team All-American. He ought to be on everybody's freaking watch list. But then you've got Malachi Starks, all right? And, And simply, and I realize I'm just simply looking at the numbers here, Because I haven't watched film on every one of these guys, and maybe it's not fair, but I'm going with my opinion anyway because, hey, it's my podcast and I can do that. 52 total tackles, three interceptions. Now, I know what you're thinking yourself. If you don't know Billy Bowman's stats, that ain't bad. That ain't bad. Yeah, if it wasn't for Billy Bowman, I'd probably put that guy on first team. Xavier Watts, second team All-American, 30 tackles, one pick. Then you got this Rod Moore kid um, who's got 21 tackles and two picks. So you've got a guy from Ohio State that used to be in the SEC, a guy at Georgia who is in the SEC, another guy from Michigan or a guy from Michigan, national champs, and then a guy from Notre Dame. Like, why? Like, Notre Dame is still relevant in college football? Billy Bowman, better numbers than every one of them, like I said. How about this? Billy Bowman... How about 61 tackles last year and six picks? Three of those were pick sixes, which led the nation. The six picks alone was second in the country. This dude was doing his best Ed Reed impersonation. And you're not going to put him on the freaking first team All-American? No, that, that isn't just a joke. That is an absolute travesty. And I understand it is a... It is a preseason All-American team. It's a preseason All-American team. But it just tells me right now that not only are you overlooking him, but you're overlooking OU, which would be another grievous mistake on your part because this team just went 10-2. and two. And yes, it's 10-2 and two in the Big 12. And yes, that schedule next year is absolutely brutal, the toughest that we've ever seen at any point in the history of of the entire football program. But you're telling me, oh, you can't navigate it? You're telling me they can't beat Tennessee at home. You're telling me they can't beat Missouri. They can't beat Ole Miss. 
the LSU Alabama thing we know is we know is going to be tough those back to back games. But I don't think this is anything that OU can't handle, shouldn't be able to handle. And when I'm looking at it from Billy Bowman's perspective, not only is it a slight on his part, but it just tells me you did not appreciate anything that he accomplished or you just did not flat out didn't pay attention. I don't know how you don't you, you don't pay attention whatsoever. So I hope this guy is getting roasted on social media by OU fans. Now, wait a second. I will say this much, man. He'll be going out and threatening his life or doing anything crazy like that. But certainly, Chris Lowe deserves to be criticized for this. And, and me saying this probably won't make a bit of difference in Chris Lowe's life. But if you're going to consider yourself a college football expert and you're going to cover the entire nation, then a name like Billy Bowman is some someone you ought to know. And the fact that you don't know it tells me either whoever helped you do your research or you doing your research just went ahead and said, all right, uh, who do we need to figure in here? And and look, Notre Dame is always kind of token, but Ohio State, Michigan, Georgia, yeah, I guess those names just ring a little bit more true than OU does right now. And maybe deservedly so. I mean, yes, OU's got to get better. And a lot of people don't have faith in OU going into the SEC, but I'm feeling pretty good about where OU is right now, not just because of this current recruiting class, but because of the 2025 recruiting class, which, according to Rivals, is already ranked fifth in the country. Now, we've got a long way to go before we nail down those recruiting rankings. I think what impresses me, or at least makes me scratch my head, is that the majority of the kids coming from that top five recruiting class, according to Rivals, are in state. Now you got the kid, you you got the quarterback out of Carl Albert, who I guess technically is an in-state kid, but he moved from Texas to Carl Albert. And right now, remember, these kids are committed, they're not signed. But it also t- what again, you've got to look beyond just what the actual story is at at time and go a little deeper. It tells you that OU's message is out there resonating, and it's always going to resonate with in-state kids. But you've got some kids from Texas in there. You've got some kids from other parts of the country. It's not right now as national as it's probably going to be when things finally fill out. But OU's off to a rocking start. It's just a matter of Brent Venables being able to do something with it and being able to manipulate the transfer portal well enough in order to continue to have – continue to have this kind of success, I think he can. I think OU is on the right path just simply because of, one, the improvement last year, and two, you don't get the feeling that Brent Venables is going to stand pat. And maybe one, of, maybe, one of the biggest, maybe one of the biggest signs of that is the fact that Venables could have stuck with Ted Roof if he wanted to, could have kept him around as defensive coordinator, but he decided to make a change with Zach Alley. Get some, get something fresh to come on the coaching staff. Get somebody with a little bit more enthusiasm, as it were, to come in here and get get everybody kind of fired up. And also, it's a move, as we said last week, for Brent Venables to eventually put the play calling duties aside and let Zach Alley take over everything. And I like the fact that he's. And this is one of those things. Okay, you're looking for things that. You're looking for things that are catalysts for other things, which is what we should all do in life, okay? We should all look for that that moment that things really changed, whether it's in your life, whether it's for a football program or whatever. 
And I believe that this is one of those things that flies under the radar. And it's the hiring of defense and defensive and a- analyst. Henry, uh, Henry, I believe it's Weinrich. Henry, sorry, didn't mean to sound like Elmer Fudd there, but Henry Weinrich, um, who spent a couple of years Spent a couple of years out of Jackson State, got hired in 2020. When Rich Rodriguez came aboard in 2022, this guy did a good enough job or at least impressed Rodriguez enough that Rodriguez created a position for him. And that alone tells you something about how respected this guy was or tells you that he had something that Rich Rodriguez liked. Now, he didn't like him enough to make him an on-the-field coach, but he did create a position for him that allowed him to have some some managerial experiences or some managerial experience. Uh, his, his responsibilities out of Jacksonville State, uh, he was breaking down opponents that you would expect from a defensive analyst. Uh, he was helping in game planning, not a big shock there. He was running the scout team. He was identifying recruits, but he was also managing the support staff. That's key. Okay, when, when I see something like managing the support staff, now granted, it's a little vague. It's not near as descriptive as I want it to be, but sort of what you envision when you hear things like that is this is the guy that was in charge of making sure that everybody on the support staff was doing their job. And obviously, he's trusted by Zach Alley. You don't, you don't leave Jacksonville State for OU if you're not trusted. And I would think that as soon as there's an opening on – the defensive side of the ball, this guy's going to have a crack at that. Or maybe we see this guy go someplace else. Maybe he's able to use the analyst job at OU to springboard into something else, and we watch the blossoming of a guy's career. We're just seeing it a little bit sooner than than most people are. So that's something that I would say, like, like if, if I'm anything, okay, you've got recruitniks out there. I'm sort of a coaching geek. And moves like this are kind of things I keep my eye on because I want to see when a guy gets hired at an entry-level position just how far a guy can go. So, yeah, I'll be keeping my eye on this guy. I'll be, I'll be seeing you know how involved he is in the day-to-day operations of the defense. But more importantly, once the end of the season comes, does this guy get an opportunity to go someplace else and be an on-the-field coach? Or does something open up at OU and give him an opportunity to be an on-the-field coach. Opportunities, Baker Mayfield took a major advantage of it, took major advantage of an opportunity he was handed this year, and that was taking over for Tom Brady as the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, we're all sorry that it came to an end. Uh, we love watching Baker Mayfield play. Hated the fact that it ended for him during the Lions or, or in the in the playoffs against the Lions, but thought the guy played pretty well. Baker, May- Baker Mayfield played pretty darn well in that game. Couple of overthrows, couple of picks. Uh, first one didn't really feel like it was his fault. The ball might have been thrown high, a little bit too high, but it bounced off of re- your receiver's hands and goes into a defensive back's hands. I mean, sometimes there's not a lot you can do about that. Todd Bowl says he wants Baker Mayfield back for another year, and Baker Mayfield, believe it or not, is the perfect replacement for Tom Brady. Why would I say this? Because if you're going to lose a guy like Tom Brady, who's a Hall of Famer, you know Baker Mayfield, he's a guy that's been in the NFL a while, but he's bounced around to four different teams. He certainly doesn't have the, the cachet that a, that a Tom Brady does. So should you get another Hall of Fame caliber quarterback? Well, yeah. I mean, if you had the opportunity to replace Tom Brady with Aaron Rodgers, you'd do that all day, every day. 
but you didn't. So you had to go out and find someone that could could help manage the team, and Baker Mayfield was the perfect fit for that. And the reason why I say that, notice Tom Brady on the sidelines. Notice how Tom Brady dealt with his teammates. Tom Brady was harsh. Okay, Tom Brady had expectations. If you didn't meet those expectations or something didn't go right, didn't matter if you was you were his best friend. Ask Julian Edelman. He'd rip you right there on the sidelines. Wouldn't think twice about it. Didn't matter who you are, Gronkowski, Randy Moss, ask him. Tom Brady had no problem getting in a guy's face. Baker Mayfield has no problem getting in a guy's face, but he does it out of, he he does it in the hopes to inspire and get you enthused about the game. And Baker Mayfield's not a guy. Now, granted, because Baker Mayfield doesn't have the cachet that a guy like Tom Brady is. Baker Mayfield's not walking in Tampa Bay with six Super Bowl rings on his finger. Or I guess seven, as it were now with Tom Brady. No, he's he's walking in with zero. He's walking in as a guy who has become a, a bit of a journeyman. And when you are that guy, you have to know how you you treat people. And you can't. You, you can't just demand that they do things. You always have to encourage them, which is exactly what Baker Mayfield does. That's what made him such a great fit, is that you go from the harshness of Tom Brady to a guy that's a little bit more laid back, a guy that's a little bit more positive than Baker Mayfield, and it can't help but work in some respects. And they gave him the same team, essentially, that Tom Brady had. You were lacking the running game that Tom Brady that Tom Brady was afforded when he won his Super Bowl, but you had everything else there and an opportunity to win. And as long as they can keep Mike Mike Evans around, Baker Mayfield will have a chance to be the quarterback for that team for a long time, and, and Tampa Bay ought to, ought to win. And when I say a long time, I'm thinking the next two, three years. So it's really not that long, but long enough to accomplish some stuff. Don't know if he'll win his Super Bowl. But if he can keep Tampa Bay in the playoffs regularly – that I think we can honestly say that Baker Mayfield succeeded as an NFL quarterback. Where people think that he didn't, what you should see is a guy that succeeded and a guy that overcame and had to adjust. To, I don't, I, look, I've lost track as, as far as how many offensive coordinators this guy's had to adjust to, not to mention how many head coaches he's adjusted to, and all the guy has done is survive. And that deserves some respect. Put some respect on Baker Mayfield's name when you talk about him. And with that, Jackson Arnold replacing Dylan Dylan Gabriel. ESPN says he's got big shoes to fill. No, duh. Um, the numbers, look, I, I don't care about 3,600 yards or 3,660 yards that Dylan Gabriel threw for. What I care about is the fact that you were 10-2 and, and you had 30 touchdowns to six picks. Don't know if OU can be 10-2. Yes, they can manage the SEC. I think we're all hoping that they can be about nine and three next year. Heck, eight and four might turn out to be a really good year for OU, depending on how difficult the SEC is. But Jackson Arnold could handle stepping into this. Look, Jackson Arnold's a guy that played at Denton Geyer. He's on the biggest stage of high school football in the state of Texas. He can deal with it. He's been at OU, he's been in the system. Him and Seth Luttrell are going to get an opportunity to grow together over the next few months. It'll be fine. Jackson Arnold will be fine. I'm not going to say he's going to be great because I don't know if the guy will be great, but as long as he throws more touchdowns than he does picks and as long as his teammates respond to him, OU's going to be successful. 
I love the fact, I think he's, ultimately, he seems a little bit more athletic than Dylan Gabriel is. And when we see him take off, he'll really be able to show it. it maybe not the greatest showing that you had that first go around in the um, in the Alamo Bowl, but you didn't get to ease into it. You played a team that had won six straight games. You weren't, you know, you weren't easing in with East Popcorn State. So time for Jackson Arnold to build. This will be this will, look. I'm not saying it'll be a cakewalk, but it's nothing that this cat can't handle. And speaking of things that you can't handle, you can't handle the truth, SEC. And why say that? Well, Patty Gasso. Uh Patty Gasso announced that uh, JT Gasso, her son, is getting promoted within the OU softball program. And so people got alarmed and thought, well, wait a second, is this the sign that you're about to back out? Patty Gasso, 61 years old. She's a young 61. Okay, I work with with Pat Jones every day. I don't remember exactly how old Pat is, but Pat's a young whatever age he is. Some people age really is just a number, and I don't think Patty's drive is slowing down anytime soon. In fact, it's not slowing down anytime soon. And I love when she was speaking to a group of boosters about how much she wanted a piece of the SEC. Quote, I want a piece of the SEC. The SEC, who has nine teams in the top 25. Of course, when you have the best softball program in the country, you can't wait to prove to them, hey, you weren't just feasting off Big 12 teams and subpar competition. You really are that good. She's charged up. There's no way she is leaving before OU gets the opportunity to play in the SEC. But that message, I want a piece of the SEC, put that sucker on a plaque, put it in every single athletic department or every single athletic building that OU has, and remind people, this is the attitude that you have to have the next couple of years. It's about wanting a piece of the SEC, not being scared of the SEC. When you're winning national championship after national championship, it's easy to stick that chest out. But when you're 10-2 and two and you didn't make the conference championship in, in football, you still have to stick that chest out. You still have to have a little bit of fault, false enthusiasm or lie to yourself or whatever the situation is. Whatever it is, you have to make sure that mentally you are ready to do this. Patty Gasso, thank you very much. Thank you thank you for saying that, and hopefully everybody at OU adopts the attitude that you've got if they don't already have it. That wraps up this week's show. Thank you very much for listening. We'll be back next week. Remember, rate us five stars, write a written review. It's all right here, all right? Send that. Take that, take that screenshot. Send it to uh, Pete Mundo. Get that Heartland College Sports koozie. I'm Eric G. Say, may God bless you and your families. The great Jackie Moon always says, everybody love everybody. And to quote Rock and Roll Hall of Famer Don Cornelius, love, peace, and soul.